I have a bit of a confession to make, and I, and I figure <clears throat> it's a little embarrassing, but um, it's Christmas Eve, right? We're all friends and family here, so um, even as a, a husband of one, a father of two, and a grown-up in my 30s, I still am not a big fan of the dark, okay? Is anybody, anybody else, I can't even see you guys very well, is it? Before you laugh at me, does anybody else have the same issue? All right, see, it's, it's dark. I can't even tell. Good, all of you then. Great, good. I know, I have no idea. Um, and, uh, and what complicates this not being a big fan of the dark is that um, I also really, really, really like scary movies. Okay, so these two things are kind of at odds with one another. Well, uh, it was just uh, a couple months ago, and uh, there were several friends of mine who had, uh, we all had a day off on the same day. And, and I'll, I'll withhold the movies that we watched and their names to protect the other guilty parties, okay? But, but we got together for a, a scary movie marathon at my house. We did everything we could. We brought the lights down like this, and, and uh, you know, we closed all the blinds, and, and we were all excited about watching several movies in a row that were just going to scare us. And so there were two of us sitting on one couch looking at the TV and two sitting on the other. And, and one of kind of the ongoing elements of this movie we were watching was that doors would like open and then close. You know, and so it was kind of a freaky thing. I don't know why it was, but it was for us. And, uh, and so this door closes. We're getting right at the end of the movie. And I, I, I mean, I swear to you, it was like, it, it was like my front door was blown off the hinges. I mean, my door opened up in the very front of our house, light poured in to the room, and we jumped a mile. I mean, we just came up off the couch. The other friend and I were sitting on the couch, started yelling and pointing. And what it was was another friend was coming to watch the second movie with us. And he opened up the door without knocking or anything and scared us all half to death, all right? I, and I think that Elizabeth probably thought I was the most romantic husband around for like a week after that because I didn't want to be alone and I wanted to constantly be there to, you know, snuggle and all that kind of stuff. Um, but kids... Okay, kids, 90% of the time when you get scared and you need mom or dad, okay, what part of the day is it, kids? Is it, is it daytime? No, right? When you get scared and you need mom and dad, it's night. Okay, I've been a dad for seven years now. I have never once had our two children come running through the house, uh, jump into our bed, cover up with the covers and yell, Dad, the sun is out again. Make it go away. We can't believe it. You know, that's just, we're just not scared then. And it seems to me, it seems to me that there is something inside of us that begs for light to be brought into darkness. It seems like there's just something inside of us that begs for light to be brought into darkness. And I wonder what the holiday season brings to mind for you. I wonder, maybe for some of us, it's images of light. You know, we think of food, and we think of celebrations, and we think of, of joyous times having family members over. We think of putting lights up on our houses, or, or driving down to the neighbor's really obnoxious, gaudy light show. Or, you know, we, we do all these things, or we, we watch the Christmas story over and over again on our enormous TV. It's images of light that come to mind. But maybe for many of us, this season actually brings images of darkness, you know, it, it kind of, um, it hit me unexpectedly last week. 
uh, I, was, I was so focused in getting ready for this weekend that I hadn't really realized uh, the date that was coming about. And last weekend, or, or last week, was uh, four years since my dad had passed away. And, and those of us who have lost loved ones around this time of the year, um, we know that it's kind of like you get, you get this double whammy. You know, it's, it's hard enough every time the anniversary date of a loved one you've lost hits, but when it hits around the holidays and then you remember missing, and, and it's all kinds, maybe for a lot of us, it's images of darkness that come to mind around the holidays. It's, it's, it's loss, or it's guilt, or it's finances, or maybe some of us, it's being single, or for others of us, it's a marriage we're struggling with, okay? We're, some of us are longing for more, or in a job situation, or we come to the end of a year, and we think, there's no way I can endure one more year of the same, and tonight we want to talk about hope, because we believe that no matter how much darkness has crept into your life, we believe that a little bit of light can change everything. And what we want you to know is that Jesus came to bring light into your darkness. Now we're going to be uh, in the book of John here, and uh, we can go ahead and turn a little bit of room light in here so people can see if they want to read here. But we're going to be in the first chapter of John, uh, John chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, if you've got a Bible in front of you as we uh, turn a little room light, if we've uh, if you've got a Bible in front of you, it's on page uh, 750. Uh, John is the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Um, and, and this might be, if you've been around for a few Christmas Eves before, this may not be the, uh, the text you normally think about for Christmas Eve. But for us, with having Christmas on a Sunday this year, we were able to, to take the Luke 2, the, you know, the shepherds and, and the stable and everything else. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. But tonight we want to take a look at John's account of God sending his son uh, to this world. So we'll be at John chapter 1, verse 1. And here's what it says. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now the Word here refers to Jesus. You might say, why, why is that? Why do we call Jesus that? Well, certainly a part of it is that, that Jesus was God's mouthpiece, that Jesus came into this world speaking God's words. He was literally kind of the Bible in the flesh, and he came. But that's not all of it. The, the word here for word is the word logos. It means it's where we get our word for logic. And there was kind of this Greek thought that, that there was this divine logic above us, you know, that the, that the gods had this kind of truth, this knowledge that we could grasp a little bit. And John grabs this idea and expounds on it. And John says that, that Jesus is this, that, that in Genesis, God spoke creation into being. But in Jesus, God spoke grace into being. There's power in the spoken word, isn't there? Maybe when you were a kid, you said the same phrase that, that I did. Uh, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, words will never hurt me. Did most of us say that at some point? That was like one of the biggest lies of our childhood, was it not? Words have a huge impact an enormous impact in how we think and how we perceive what's going on. I remember when I was a kid, um, we'd be playing in the neighborhood. You know, we'd be riding bikes somewhere. We'd be playing in somebody's backyard. And my mom would open up the front door, would step out onto our porch and, you know, cup her hands together and yell, Jason! You know, when it's time to come in for dinner. Wherever I was, whatever I was doing, I stopped in my tracks because there is power in that name 
being called at that volume. You know, there was just something that grabbed me and pulled me in. This word, this logos, this wisdom of God and the activity of God combined in Jesus. Verse 3 says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Darkness never does understand truth, does it? Uh, we have been incredibly blessed. Uh, we, uh, we absolutely recognize that we do not deserve uh, most of what we have in life. But we have, we have a beautiful house. And in our house, we have the same number of bedrooms as we do people who live in that house. Okay? And so, both of our daughters at age 7 and age 4 have ample space for them, for their bedroom. You know, we've got the seven-year-olds, got the pink princess bedroom with, with uh, you know, princesses all over the walls and stuff. And likewise, the four-year-old has the purple princess room with princesses everywhere and stuff like that. So both girls, we have provided ample living space for them. And guess how they have decided to sleep for the last three-plus years? Crammed in together in the same room, all right? Because there's fun to be had there together. There's community to be enjoyed but I think more importantly, there's just safety like that. Um, darkness never does understand truth. Whether you're a kid who thinks that there's a monster in the shadows that they can't see, or you're a grown-up who's sometimes just paralyzed to the point of indecision over the unknown that exists out there, truth just seems to get lost in the darkness But what we want you to know is Jesus came to bring light into your darkness. Verse 6, there was a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Now remember, there are two Johns here. There's the John who wrote this. That's the disciple John. Son of Zebedee, he's one of the inner circle of Jesus' disciples with Peter and James. And, and this is the John who uh, was a church father at Ephesus, who wrote first through third John. He wrote the book of Revelation, and he writes this gospel, and he is so humble, he won't even put his, known, his own name into it. He, con- he refers to himself throughout the book as the disciple Jesus loved because of his humility. But the John that he is writing about is Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, who came as a, a, as a preacher before him. Now we'll switch back to Jesus here in verse 10. It says, Jesus, he was in the world, and through him the world was made. Uh, I'm sorry. And, and, th- and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Now, I feel like this could go on the list of like some of the, if, if we made a list of some of the greatest understatements in the Bible, I think that saying Jesus was not recognized by the people he came to would be pretty clear on that list. All right, I mean, I should say that, that being the son of God, born into a stable because there was no room for you, Uh, hiding out as a kid from rulers who wanted you dead, Uh, growing up in a common carpenter's household, living 30 years in obscurity in in a three-year intensely persecuted ministry that ends in, in this kangaroo trial where you're put on a cross and killed. Yeah, I I think that qualifies 
for the world not recognizing God's word when it came to meet them. But here's the thing. I I think that a lot of us probably know some of those same feelings. I think many of us here tonight know those feelings all too well of rejection, of brokenness, of feeling completely unwelcome by those who should welcome us the most. And Jesus came to bring light into your darkness. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And sometimes we combine grace and truth today, I think, into one word, hope. Jesus came to bring light into your darkness and to give you hope. But there's a problem. Nothing kills hope more than our relentless pursuit of feeling happy. Let me illustrate this. Okay, I, need, I actually need like four volunteers who like chocolate. Does anybody like chocolate? A couple of us, huh? Nobody, huh? Nobody likes chocolate at all. Okay, uh, we've got, we got one back here. Drew, come on up. Anybody else? Anybody like chocolate? Somebody else? You? You like chocolate? All right, come on up. Anybody else like chocolate? Okay, yeah, come on up, man. And Kobe, yeah, you come right up here. You stand next to me, Kobe. Okay? All right. Thank you guys so much for helping out here. You can come right over here. All right, so you guys all like chocolate, right? Okay, well, since this is Christmas, I thought that I would give you a gift, okay? So uh, for you, my friend, I would like to give you, because you're such a fun guy, I'd like to give you a fun-sized Snickers bar, okay? Does that make you feel pretty happy? Okay, good, all right. Well, and you, my friend, uh, I'm going to give you a full-size Snickers bar. Does that sound good? Okay, how are you feeling down there, man? Feeling good? Okay, well, good. We'll keep going then. All right, and how about you, my friend? You seem like a king-size kind of guy, right? All right, here we go. King-size Snickers for you. Now, how are you feeling about your chocolate bar? Is you still feeling good? How about you down there? Yeah, cool. (laughs) You knew I'd pull you up for this. All right, Kobe, how you doing, buddy? Kobe made fun of me earlier tonight, but I told Kobe I'm going to show grace and love, even though Kobe teased me. Guess how I'm going to do that, Kobe? I got this. It's like a chocolate explosion, all right? I've got this whole, this is, there's almond Snickers in here, full-size Snickers, snack-size Snickers, fun-size, everything else. You want this? Yes. All right. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Kobe. Thank you. Merry Christmas. How are you feeling about that king size? Oh, I still love it. You still love it? <laughs> no, I'm good, man. I got something to do here for the next couple minutes. How about you? Feel good? Okay. Drew? <laughs> all right, you guys are great. Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you. Now, here's the thing, all right? Our, our illustrious volunteers, for the most part, because they're up in front of us, are still playing nice. But isn't this a perfect picture of what we do? We don't mind our fun-sized Snickers bar or any other kind of Snickers bar we've been given until the guy down the block has something else. We, uh, we, we find that there is just a huge, huge difference between happiness and contentment, isn't there? There's an enormous difference between happiness and contentment. Now, kids, listen up. I know we have a little less kids than we do uh, in the second service than we did earlier, but, but kids, uh, zero to 18, all right? I'm just gonna talk to you for a second. There's something you gotta understand, kids, okay? And you gotta grasp this, it's important. There will always be someone smarter than you. Okay, the odds are that you, have n- you are not probably the smartest person who's ever been born. You're probably going to spend a lifetime meeting people who are smarter than you. Kids, there will always be people 
who have more toys than you. Okay? That's just a fact of life. There will always be people who have more toys. And kids, for whatever reason exists in their past, you will always encounter people who want to make you feel inferior. I don't know why. It's just how they do. And until you understand those things and you find some contentment, you will spend a lifetime pursuing worthless things that leave you less happy in the end than when you started. All right? Now, kids, you can take about a two-minute nap. I got to talk to the big people, all right? Grown-ups, got to talk to you. Grown-ups, there will always be someone who is smarter than you, all right? Uh, look around. You're, odds are you're not the smartest person in this room anyway, all right? I know I'm not. Okay, grown-ups, there will always be someone with more toys than you. Always. And grown-ups, for whatever reason exists in their crazy past, there will always be people who want to make you feel inferior. And grown-ups, until you recognize that, you will spend a whole lifetime pursuing worthless things that leave you less happy than when you started. You guys catch it? This is like family ministry, right? We're learning together. This is awesome, okay? You were not created just to feel happy. And nothing you open tomorrow will change that. Don't believe me? Think about tomorrow. Fast forward a few hours here. Hopefully many hours, but maybe a few hours. Okay, fast forward to tomorrow morning. Will you think more about the things you open under the tree, or will you think more about the things that didn't make their way under that tree? Or when you go back to work or school, will you just be so happy that you're blessed and you have so many things? Or will you start to look around and see what the other toys that the other grown-ups or kids brought with them? We were not created to pursue some feeling of happiness. We were created for contentment. And that contentment will ultimately be found nowhere else other than the life that this little baby we celebrate came to bring. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You know, I don't, I don't know the big concerns on your heart this weekend. And my guess is that many of us in this room are struggling with some huge, huge, huge issues. What I can tell you, though, is that those issues are probably much like the kinds of issues that this little young couple struggled with 2,000 years ago. I mean, think about dealing with a teen pregnancy in a world where you could be killed for something like that. Think about this fiancé who initially is feeling like maybe his bride-to-be wasn't completely honest about her past. Or this couple who has to make a cross-country trip in the last month of a pregnancy. It was five years ago that we moved here to Champaign, and, uh, and we made a trip cross-country in the last month of a pregnancy, but we did so in a warm Honda CRV. So to think about a 70-mile trek on the back of a donkey puts that into perspective just a little bit. Do you know why Mary and Joseph did all this? Do you know what helped to get them through? It was, it was the thought that this baby might change your life. They endured all that they endured in this Christmas story and through the rest of their lives, all the things that they went through, they endured because they believed that it would help you endure what's going on with you. And I'm not sure what degree, to what degree of darkness you're living in right now. 
And and I'm not going to promise that if you just gave your life to Christ tonight, that things are just going to get 100% better tomorrow. To be honest, things might get tougher for a season. Faith doesn't erase past mistakes. It simply forgives them. What I can promise is that you give, if you give up, a relentless pursuit of this fleeting feeling of happiness, then you put yourself in a position for God to teach you what contentment looks like. Close your eyes for a second. Just close your eyes wherever you are. And imagine yourself. You're in a room that's completely pitch black. There's no light in this room whatsoever. If I, trying to be helpful to you, come into this room and bring in this like thousand watt light cannon and turn it on, I'm probably not going to be that helpful, right? Okay, that kind of light is just going to blind you. It's just going to hurt your eyes because you're in this dark room. But if you look around this dark room and you catch a nightlight over in the corner, or you look over in another part of it and you see, oh man, maybe that door is cracked just a little bit and there's light coming in from the hallway. Or, or no, I can see the window and there's just a little bit of moonlight. See, all it takes is a small amount of light to make sense of the darkness and to help you find a way out. Jesus came to bring light into your darkness. As you open your eyes, we're going to celebrate communion tonight. And, and, and I know that um, oftentimes it's easy for us to kind of forget, right? We think of this Christmas season, and, and it's almost like we think that this story ends in this cute little Thomas Kincaid painting of a sweet little quiet manger scene. But the truth is, that's not where this story ends. This story goes forward 33 more years and ends in Jesus' death on a cross for us. And sometimes our communion remembrance of that can be so somber. And, and I understand that because, because it is. We need to recognize the gravity of what he did for us. But tonight we don't want to just remember a funeral. Tonight we want to celebrate a gift of light. Would you pray with me?